Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. And we're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Well, happy Thanksgiving. I hope it was a good one for you. I know I ate everything in sight. Yeah, I got a lot of... Well, anyway. It was a great time. I know um, it's one of my favorite... It actually is probably for family. It's, it's my favorite holiday. And so today we want to talk a little bit about what it means to be thankful or to be grateful. Uh, my name is Pastor Tom. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope. In case you're visiting, we're glad that you're with us. Uh, please come back. If you live in a different city, just consider moving to Las Vegas just to go here. That'd be great. How many of you grew up with ma, a mom or somebody in your family who asked you the question, have you written your thank you notes yet? Anybody? I know uh, lots of people uh, grew up kind of like that. We didn't grow up writing a bunch of notes, but we were sure expected to say thank you a lot. Anybody else? Right? My parents told me, you know, when somebody does something for you or when they give resources toward you, or when they do something that you don't, uh, you aren't looking for or you don't deserve, make sure that you say thank you no matter how big or how small that may be. Um, but isn't that the point? Isn't that the point about saying thank you? A thank you is owed to someone who's gone out of their way for us, spent their resources on us, given up time doing something for us or with us that wasn't mandatory or even most of the time, unexpected. Isn't that the point of a thank you? I believe this describes God's love toward us perfectly, don't you? I mean, think about it. He, does, he did it and he does not have to love us. He didn't have to die for us. He doesn't have to bless us now. He wants and wanted to do those things for us. It was an intentional thing on his part and it is intentional today. He intentionally wants to love and protect us. He wants to give grace. He wants to give us mercy. He wants to bless us. He doesn't have to, but he does. And so our response should be thankfulness. Being a grateful, grateful person. As we move ahead in today's message, I want to start, first of all, by giving you a definition, just one definition of what gratefulness looks like. Gratefulness is the attitude of my heart toward that which is undeserved or unexpected. It's the attitude of my heart toward that which is undeserved or unexpected. Now, I realize that's not an exhaustive definition. There's a lot of things that could be in there. But for the sermon today and what we want to talk about today out of Psalm chapter 9, you can go ahead and turn there if you would. Psalm chapter 9, we're going to look at two verses, even though I'm going to give some explanation of the rest of chapter 2. Let's go ahead and read those first two verses in Psalm chapter 9. Nine. David writes, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. 
In this psalm, David is a grateful man, grateful to God for his love, his protection, and for things we're going to talk about here in just a minute. But what struck me the most about this passage of Scripture is what he said first. It's very easy for us to read something and just see it in words and just gloss right over it. Look at it again. Chapter 9, verse 1. David said, I will give thanks to the Lord. Check this out. With all my heart. Let's think about that for just a second. With all my heart. Now, when he says I'll give thanks here, as I was studying over the past couple of weeks and really getting prepared for this, and, 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 and I always get excited when I get to do this. You know what I mean? That's sometimes shown in the length of my sermon. Not today, though. We've got a short one, so you'll be happy. Maybe. Um, the word give thanks here actually picturesque-wise, is probably better described as to cast or to throw. In fact, the Hebrew word, the, the root word of this word, give thanks, which was one Hebrew word in the, in the Scripture, means to cast or to throw. I mean, think about that. To throw myself, to cast all of my thankfulness and all my gratitude on God. And then he adds the phrase, with all my heart. Almost sounds Christian, doesn't it? I'm going to give everything I got with all my heart, with all my heart. Listen, when he talks about heart here, he's not talking about one aspect of who we are. He's talking about the inner man of who we are totally. He's not talking about just with my mouth, even though with my mouth. Amen? Now listen, when I say amen, that means you've got to say it. Listen, this doesn't go well if y'all are quiet. Help me out here. All right. Not just with my mouth, but... With my mouth, by telling him and others this thing. Being thankful, being grateful, but not just with my mouth, but also not with my body, even though with my body. Not just by attending a service or going to small group or not sinning. Not just with my mouth, not just with my body, but also not just with my mind. Some people believe that Knowing what the Bible says, isn't that good enough? I mean, I read the Bible, I study the Bible. Well, praise God, so do the Pharisees. Jesus had a lot to say about that. Not just with my mouth, not just with my body, not just with my mind. No, he says with all my heart. In fact, when you put all those together, you really get the inner man. I've noticed that whatever you're excited about comes out. Right? This past weekend, Pastor Scott mentioned this morning that um, everybody had a lot of food and a lot of football, you know, and that's because he's a Dallas Cowboys fan. And they won again, right? I'm not. I said Scott. But I'll tell you this, on that day, I saw a whole lot of people with a lot of stuff coming out. They were excited about it. Whether... They were excited about their team winning or about their team losing. I'll promise you it was with all their heart. So let's not get caught up into not thinking that we don't know what it means with all my heart. <laughs> with all my heart. It's not just my mouth. It's not just my body. It's not just my emotions. It's not just my attitude. It's everything that I got. And so we got to start this morning by asking this question. Are you thankful to God with all your heart? 
The heart is the combination and the compilation of our will, our emotion, our affection, our behavior. It's what we desire to be. It's how we feel and think. It's what we choose to love. It's what we choose to do. It makes us who we are. It's our soul. And so as we start today, listen, this is all introduction. Points go a lot faster. All right. As we start today, what I'd like to do is, let's start with the contrast of with all my heart, with with some of my heart. With all my heart means giving your best and giving your all, foregoing other things. It's the desire to be like Him. It's allowing Him to live His life through you. It's total surrender. Amen? In my relationship with God, it's God, I give you my whole life, not just an hour of my time on Sunday morning. In my marriage, in my own wedding vows, it means till death do us part. In my job, it means I'll be the hardest worker and I'll recognize that God has me where I am for His honor and His glory. And He's doing something with me there. In my church, it means I'll serve others more than I'm expected to be served. But that's not with what some of my heart looks like. No, in contrast to all of my heart, some of my heart looks kind of like this. It's a take it or leave it attitude. It's a there are other options attitude. It's a I can do other things if this doesn't work out. In fact, it's a whatever is best for me kind of attitude. That's with some of my heart. Here's how it looks in my relationship with God. It's God if there's nothing else to do or if it's convenient for me to go or I'll be there on Sunday. In my marriage, it's if this works out. If this person you gave me treats me well. And listen, I want to be sensitive here, okay? Because I know there are a lot of you, maybe not a lot, but some in this room who said, I wanted my marriage to work, Tom. Well, I understand. It takes two. But for those of you who are married, you say it's the wrong person. Guess what? The wrong person became the right person when you said, I do. So I want to be sensitive, but you understand, God knows what he's doing. God has all this in check. When it comes to my job, here's what it looks like. It's, I'm here for the paycheck, and that's it. Has little to do with where God wants me or that he has me here for a reason. In my church, it looks like, I, it looks like this. I need you to serve me and don't ask me to serve. I'll let you know when I can serve, when I'm not busy. I mean, isn't that what churches are for? Listen, I believe God put in the heart of man this need to be grateful or this understanding of what gratefulness is because I know lots of people who don't follow God who are actually grateful people. But real gratefulness doesn't come from us, it comes from Him. And an understanding of what gratefulness is comes directly from God. So as we start today, how would you define What does it look like in your life to surrender to God? Is it a with all my heart attitude or is it with some of my heart? And I I would venture to say that in Christianity across the United States and in much of the world, we believe Christianity to be a religion where it's with some of my heart when I get the time or when it's convenient. 
And I'm not talking about church service. Pastor Vance makes it clear here. You need to be connected to people. If this is the only thing you get on Sunday morning, I promise you, your spiritual life is probably hurting. And not probably, it is. If we only ate once per week, we'd be hurting, wouldn't we? I'd be a lot skinnier, but I wouldn't be well. Same thing spiritually. Don't eat just once per week. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. He said, half heart is no heart. Half heart is no heart. So today what I want to do is quickly answer three questions from the text that I believe David gives us and God gave David here out of Psalm chapter 9. The first question is this. How should I give thanks with all my heart? Like what does that look like? David begins here by telling how he would do it. The first thing he says is in verse 1. He says, I will tell of your wonders. He does it through his actions. I will tell of your wonders, God. We remember, we analyze, we relate to others what God's done for us. I mean, isn't that the point of it? <laughs> tell others what God's done for you. I'll tell you, you didn't have any problem this week when your football team won telling what that team did for you. Tell others what God has done for you. Gratefulness leads to bragging on God. Here's who God is and what he's done. I will tell here. It means to recount. It means to go down the list and say here and here and here and here and that and this. It means to relate or to show or to communicate. It's to be expressive with it too. And it's a, a, a future verb. And I'm going to talk about this here in a minute. He means I will. I'm going to. I'm going to tell you about what God has done for me. Then he says this. He says, I'll tell you of all his wonders toward me, of your wonders, God. The word wonders is a word that means extraordinary. It can also mean supernatural. When you think about that in the Bible, you often say, you know, Pastor Tom, I don't know. Um, I haven't seen the wonders that I read in Scripture. For instance, the Red Sea opening. I mean, you know, when I jump in a pool, there's some stuff that moves, you know what I'm saying? But, but I'm talking about like a, 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 a 1,600 feet movement of water from one side to the next with dry land. I've never seen that. I haven't either. You say, Tom, I've never seen bread dropping from heaven like the Israelites saw. I've never seen the Jericho uh, walls fall after people just literally walk around it and blow trumpets. What's that about? Never talked to a man who lived in the belly of a whale for three days and then lived. Tom, how could we talk about those kind of wonders when maybe we've never seen those? But, but honestly and truthfully, maybe we're just not sensitive enough to know about his wonders in our life. I believe everything's spiritual, and I don't mean spiritual as in Zen Buddhism, okay? I mean, I believe that God is working through all circumstances. I believe that he knows exactly what he's doing and he performs what he wants, when he wants, even past and through our own sin. When we look at just practical things in our lives, like I, uh, I'll give you some examples of some, some supernatural stuff that we're just kind of missing. When I, lived in, I, when I moved here, one of the difficult things for me was not being able to mow my own yard. I mean, who came up with desert landscaping? What's that about? 
I mean, I get it. But mowing is therapeutic to me. You know, you get out there for an hour or two and you're just you and just you and the Lord and you and your thoughts. And But I'll tell you what I used to do. I used to mow the yard in the summer in Orlando when I lived there. During the summertime in July or August, you'd have to mow your yard twice per week to make it look really good. So that was one of the most exciting times for me because I like doing that. But I would mow the yard. I would take the weed eater. And listen, I was edging other people's sidewalks. That's how much I liked it. My neighbors loved that. I would get in the flower bed or in the, the shrubbery there and cut it and make it look real nice. And then, then I would do this. Then I would go out to the road on the sidewalk and I'd look and I'd go, Wow, you did great, Tom. And I wanted everybody else to say it. My neighbors and my family, Crystal, come out and look at the yard. I didn't create that. I just maintained what he already made. I didn't make the grass grow or the shrubs or the flowers. I may have maintained it a little bit, but have you seen Mount Charleston? Have you been over to the Grand Canyon or the Pacific Ocean? And that's just here near us. What our God has created, that's supernatural, people. I wonder when I drive to California if he just took his finger and just pushed up those mountains. I wonder if he pushed down and made those valleys over in Cajon Pass. I wonder. I could cut and mow my yard all day, but I couldn't do that. When it comes to man, you remember back in the 80s, I think the year was 84. Um, I was a sophomore in high school, and I remember... Steve Jobs came out and he did this, this uh, it, it was kind of his new presentation for the new Mac, Macintosh, Apple computer. It was about this big, you remember? Some of, most of you don't, but some of you do. And uh, it talked. Do you remember that? Is it just me? Am I making this, did I dream this? It talked. It said what was on the screen and people were like in the crowd going crazy. Human beings are funny, aren't we? It's like there was a robot there, and it was talking. And then it introduces Steve Jobs. I would like to introduce you, I think he said, to my father, Steve Jobs. And they went nuts. But you know, I walk around all the time and talk. <laughs> Nobody's impressed. I'm not hooked up to something. I don't have to be recharged except for to take a nap and eat some food. <laughs> you know, human beings all over this auditorium and all over this city and all over this nation, all over this world run off brains that none of us invented. It's a miracle. It's supernatural. I mean, I don't know how you feel about animals or don't, but my little dog loves me. She didn't say it, but I could tell it. She follows me wherever I go. She wants to lay down right under where I sit or right under where I lay down in my own bed. You know what I mean? My little, one of my little boys, when he was little, we gave him this little robot, this little silver robot dog, and the thing would walk on its own and stop and then whoop, 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 and then sit, you know, and we'd be all like, wow. Well, we got real animals that do that all the time. 
I mean, the things that God has created is part of what's supernatural. And that's not even talking about love and peace and, oh, my goodness, food. My wife has this recipe for this strawberry cake that she should sell. We can make a lot of money. She gets the ingredients and she puts it all together and the kitchen is, you know, destroyed. There's, you know, bowls here and spoons there and mixer here and stuff flying all over the place. And, and I'm not being derogatory towards my wife. I'm just telling this what it takes to make this good chocolate, I mean, this good strawberry cake. And she fixes it and she puts it on the platter and it's there and it's triple tiered with homemade icing. Oh, it's amazing. It's family secret. Sorry. I don't want to have to buy what we came up with. So, then I eat it. But the truth is, is that my wife only makes the cake. She didn't make the flour or the sugar. If you're a farmer, you know you can plant all day long, but God has to make it come through the soil. You see how we just miss everything that God is and what he's done for us in this whole realm of gratefulness. And we're so impressed with the things that we know about. But the truth is, we may have never seen the sea parted. We may have never seen bread fall from the sky. But what we have seen, we should give him honor and praise and gratefulness for. But it wasn't just through his actions that he would show this. He would also say in verse 2 that, he would, that David would show his actions through his Excuse me, that he would show his gratefulness through his emotions or his attitude. Look at verse 2. He says, I'll be glad. I'll exalt you. There he says, I'll be happy. I'm going to be elated. The word exult means to be jubilant. It doesn't mean to go, great. It means to be excited, man. It means to get up out of your chair. It means to tell each other how you feel. It means to to tell God how you feel about him. And that you understand that you have what you have because he gave it to you. And if he didn't give it to you, you wouldn't have it. You say, I bought that with my money. He gave me the money. I got that job. He gave me the job. You got there because you drove there in the car he gave you. And if he wants wants his car to break down, then take his money and, and get it fixed. See, it's all his. He's allowing us to have whatever we got. He said, I'm going to exult. I'll be happy. I'll be ecstatic, elated. I'll be jubilant. But then at the end of the verse, he says, and I'm going to sing about it too. This is, you know, (laughs) I don't mean to point out men here. But I am one, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. Sing. When we sing. Now, I know some of you do, praise God. But some of you don't. Sing, man. David said, I'm so happy. I'm singing about it. My grandfather used to go around whistling all the time. Ever have anybody in your life like that? My grandfather would whistle. He would just whistle, whistle, whistle. But it was because he was happy. It was because there was something in his heart. Whistling showed what was already there. It was a with all my heart kind of attitude. I've noticed something about myself too. I don't sing when I'm sad. 
It's hard to sing a song when you're unhappy, isn't it? But psychologists and psychiatrists and scientists actually tell us that singing releases endorphins into our brains and our bodies. Try it. You'll get happy. Endorphins is what makes us happy. You know why the choir is always smiling? They got endorphins like overdose. I'm not kidding. Singing people are happy people. And what David said was, I will exult in you. I will be happy. I will be joyful. But I will sing to make sure that it keeps going. I'm going to be grateful. My gratefulness is going to lead to all these things. Gratefulness will be shown not only through our actions, but it will also be shown through our attitude. Is it showing through your life? Is it with all your heart? Second question, when should I give thanks with all my heart? I've already touched on this, and I won't stay here very long. In chapter uh, 9, verse 2, all of the verbs that are there are all, well, actually, they're imperfect verbs, which means nothing to most of you and probably none of you. I shouldn't even have said it. But here's what it means in, in, in our, here's what it means for us. They're all future. In other words, I'm not just happy right now. I'm going to be happy tomorrow. I'm not just grateful today. I'm going to be grateful tomorrow. I'm not just singing today. I'm going to sing tomorrow. You know why? Because I'm grateful to God, Bob, for everything God has given to me. When should I do it? Easy answer. All the time. All the time. Don't ever stop. Listen, I'm doing it right now, but I'm going to do it. Here's one way to say it. I'm thanking him, but I'm not finished thanking him. Like that's an intentional thing. I may have started thanking him, but I'm not even close to finished. Because tomorrow is the future. And then when I get tomorrow, the day after that's the future. And then when I get tomorrow, the day after that's the future. And when I get to that day, the next day is going to be the future. Continual thanking of God. And this is what David said. He said, I'm not going to stop. Now, this makes a lot of sense if you know David's life. There was a lot of time in his life he didn't have much to thank God for, right? Or so you'd think. I mean, being chased down and to be killed is not a reason to thank God. But he said, I'm going to thank God. I don't know the situation you're going through, but I promise you God does. I don't know the decision you got to make, but I promise you God does. Thank him today and watch him work tomorrow. Thank him tomorrow and watch him work next week. Thank him next week and watch him work next year. Thank God for who he is and for what he's doing. For his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his forgiveness, his love, and his care for us. So when do I give thanks? All the time. Tomorrow, give thanks. And then the next day, give thanks. Question number three. Why should I give thanks with all my heart? Now, the rest of the chapter... David is giving us a peek into his life and everything that God had accomplished. And I want to list for you only four things, and they're going to go quick, about what he thought or why he thought he should thank God for what he was. In verse 3, the Bible says, When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before you. David said, I'll thank God because he's my defender. Listen, hey, hey, he's not just his defender, he's yours i got to defend myself. You don't know what they've said. It don't matter. God's your defender. No, I'm going to take up for me. He'll let you. 
but it won't work out. Let God defend you. I don't have to defend me. He will. And listen, here's the best part. God knows who the real enemy is, and most of the time we don't. We're defending ourselves against the wrong people. People. Second thing he talks about here is in verse 7. He said, David writes, He abides forever and will judge the world in righteousness. David basically said, because he's eternal and because he is a righteous judge, I will be grateful for him. He sees the past. He sees the present. He sees the future. Listen, this will blow your mind, okay? All at the same time. He sees it all. He's working to and from eternity. He knows exactly the direction he's going. He always has been and he always will be. And his verdict as a judge will always be correct. It'll always be correct. Those who aren't innocent won't get away, and those who are will never be judged like that. They'll never be found guilty. He's the good judge. He's the eternal God. The third thing that David talked about was actually in verse 11. The Bible says, He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. This kind of goes with verse 1 a little bit. I don't know what you're going through or what you've been afflicted with. If it's a physical issue, if it's a a relationship issue, if it's a financial issue, I don't know. But here's the deal. God hasn't left you. This was a cry of David's heart. He said, listen, I've been in some bad places, but God never deserted me. He takes care of his people. God knows about everything that we, go, that we go through, and he takes care of us in that. Whatever you're going through, God knows about it. Whatever you're enduring, he cares and will vindicate you. You say, Tom, how do you know? That's the kind of God he is. Trust him. Be grateful toward him. This was what David was grateful for. And then the last thing is in verse 17. The Bible says, the wicked will return to Sheol and the needy won't be forgotten. This isn't politically correct about what I'm about to say. It's not um, kosher, if you will, to say this, even in a church setting at times. There is a heaven and a hell. I know what you're thinking. You southern guys, you hellfire and brimstone, you think you're going to scare me. If I could scare you, I would. But I can't. Anything anybody can talk you into, anybody else can talk you out of. But here's what David says here. There's a judgment coming. Those will return to Sheol who are supposed to be there. And those who aren't, won't be. You see, there's a day of salvation. There's a moment, there's a time that you can give your life to Christ. And there may be many moments where God and his sovereignty and his love and his care for us reaches down to those who don't know him and says, accept me. Today could be the day. I'll tell you, I remember that day for myself. And I'm grateful for it. Even as an 11-year-old boy, I remember and am grateful to God for the salvation that he gave me 37 years ago. David was grateful with all of his heart. Those who relied on self instead of God will suffer the consequences of eternal life without God. But those who feared him will have eternal life with him forever. So you say, Tom, so what is so wrong with forgetting to be or not being grateful. Well, Tim Keller says it like this. He says the root, now listen to this, the root of all human sin is ingratitude. Now, if he's right, 
When the devil was kicked out of heaven, we can say it was for ingratitude, right? He wanted to be like God. Or if he's talking about the Garden of Eden, where everything was perfect for man, are you telling me that it's possible that the first sin was ingratitude for them? I don't know, and I don't want to speculate on what Dr. Tim's trying to say, but I will say this. It would make sense. But bring it down out of the devil in heaven and out of when he was cast from heaven and bring it out of the Garden of Eden and bring it into your own life today. What if, just dream a dream, what if we were grateful people instead of ungrateful Would it cause in us something that wouldn't desire to sin, over sin? He goes on to say, after the root of all sin is human, the, the root of all human sin is ingratitude. He said, sin is cosmic ingratitude. It gives the delusion that you have the ability to conduct and hold your own life together. Which we don't, right? He continues by saying this, every day that your heart keeps pumping... And your country is not invaded. And your brain keeps functioning. He's holy, an undeserved gift of God. We ought to live simple, normal, uneventful days full of amazed, thankful joy. Vance Habner said this about gratefulness, which goes right along with it. He said the whole Christian life, I love this, is one big thank you. The living expression of our gratitude to God for His goodness. But we take Him for granted. And what we take for granted, we never take seriously. I'm going to say that again. Vance Havner said, whatever we take for granted, we don't take seriously. In other words, whatever we're not grateful for, I'm not sure we take that seriously. I want to put the definition back up one more time for us. Gratefulness is the attitude of my heart toward that which is undeserved or unexpected. If you're like me, and I got a feeling as a human being you are, the reason that we don't write thank you notes or the reason that we don't even say thank you is because the truth is we really think we deserve what they're doing for us. Maybe the whole reason, Pastor John pointed this out in teaching meeting the other day, maybe the reason we're not grateful is because we think God should do all this anyway. That he should take care of us. That he should love us. That he should bless us. Because that's what God does. And because we think that way, maybe, just maybe, that's why we're ungrateful people. As we close today, and the worship team heads up here, I want to just ask a few questions there as you sit in your seat to really contemplate. Are you a grateful person?
Do you cast and throw with all your heart gratefulness on God? Do you give thanks to God with all your heart? Is it with everything that you are, not just through your speech, but through your speech? Not just with your body, but with your body. Not just through your attitude, but also with your attitude. Is it with all your heart? Are you relaying his blessing to other people? Are you recounting and telling them about what he has done for you, including but not limited to your salvation? About what he has done for you? And are you displaying thanks to other people appropriately as well? I'm going to dare you to do something. I'm going to dare you to begin to be a grateful person. I didn't say this in the last service, and I don't know which service they're in. I think maybe this one. But on social media, there are a couple of our, a couple of my friends on Facebook who have been being grateful. I forget the number of days. I want to say it's close to 1,200 now. Is that true? 1,200 days they've written on Facebook. Now, I'm sure they don't want props for it, and that's not why I'm saying it. But the whole reason they started was to say, you know, I want to be more grateful. And it's, a, it's an exercise of discipline to say, I'm going to do this even on days I don't want to do this. Because it gives a grateful heart. And I believe they caught something. Because now I believe, even though there may be days, it's not like it was. On day 1162 or 1163 or whatever that day is, because I read them every day, by the way, just so you know. A heart of gratefulness is actually the heart of God. I told you just a moment ago that human beings have the capacity to be grateful even when they don't know God. But the best way is when you do. When we read the scripture in the Gospels, we see a grateful Jesus too. Our God is grateful. He deserves to be thanked. He deserves, and listen, He's not even asking for it necessarily. But a grateful heart may not change Him, but it'll for sure change us. if you've never been changed by him. I don't know if you know Jesus today and you may be here as a visitor and this, this wasn't even on your radar. Or maybe you've been coming for a while and you're just not a follower of God. Here's what I want to tell you. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. You can give your life to Christ. And we're going to have pastors here at the end and some other people who will be waiting on you. If you've got a question, if you want to give your life to Christ, we'll show you how to do that. Being a grateful person may be intentional. But being a truly grateful person is somebody who follows Jesus. Well, I want you to have him more than I want you to be grateful and die and spend eternity away from him. So as we stand here just a moment after I pray, you are welcome to come here and pray. Maybe you just want to thank God for something he's done for you publicly by praying in front of us. Maybe you want to, but for sure, all of us in those seats, listen, like my kids used to thank God for their socks. I want you to thank God for what he's given you. Because nothing's too small to thank God for. Whatever you got, he gave it. Wherever you are, that's where he put you. Jesus, there's not anybody who's like you. You have given to us when we didn't ask. We have expected from you when we have had ungrateful hearts. But God, in so many instances, you've given anyway. Jesus, thank you for grace and mercy and forgiveness 
God, thank you for salvation. I pray that as we leave today, as we sing this song together, God, with a heart of gratitude, you know that we know all things come from you. Jesus, this is your plan, your will, and your way. And we ask you to have it even now. We pray these things in